We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Welcome everyone to another edition of the Points in the Paint podcast, Stadium's NBA podcast, and Zach, for I think the third week in a row, we're Stadium's number one <laughs> NBA podcast. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And I am Zach Badzerhouse, in the house as always. And Zach, we're finally in the second half, officially the second half of the NBA season. We just had the All-Star game the other night. Uh, lots of fun seeing these guys play. They uh, overhit for any betters. If you are degenerate enough to bet on the over-under for the NBA All-Star game, the overhit on the final shot by Damian Lillard. Um, but overall, Zach, it was a it was a fun day. It, it was it was fun to see the All-Star game take place. Now I don't know how good it was for the NBA to do it during a pandemic, but seemingly it worked out. Okay. Okay. Is the, you know, yeah, that's the proper way to put it because once again, it was in a pandemic. All the events took place on one night, Sunday night, and they did the best that they could under the circumstances that were provided during the pandemic. Now, should they have had the all-star game? You know, that's up to, you know, the listener, that's up to you to determine, you know, we, we both, you know, Ben and I, we both said that we didn't think that there should be an all-star game because of the safety. And, you know, we saw safety protocols come into effect with the all-star game with no Joel Embiid and no Ben Simmons. Yeah, we saw that, too. And they luckily they were able to to take them out before the game started. And that could have been a whole other issue in and of itself. If the they played the game, they realized the barber that both Embiid and Simmons used tested positive for COVID-19. Um, so luckily they caught it before the game happened. They were able to remove them both from the game. Um, and the reports today is that no one, no coaches, no players, no training staff, no one tested positive for COVID-19 um, on the day that the All-Star game happened. So that's good. And hopefully we don't f- find out, you know, a couple days down the road that someone was positive and a test didn't catch it. So hopefully that happens um, and hopefully everyone is able to stay safe and healthy and the, the second half of the NBA season was able to continue. Now, Zach, what they did for the game, it, it was something we hadn't seen ever in an all-star weekend because usually it is an all-star weekend. It's a weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, filled with events, activities, and, and the different dunk contests and the skills contest and the game and everything are on different days. Now we saw it all crammed into one big day. I didn't mind it. It was fun to, to have all the events lined up back to back to back. It, it's going to be nice next year, hopefully, that we go back to a full weekend of all-star events. But having it all on one day, I honestly didn't mind it that much. It was kind of nice everything, having everything back to back. 
having everything back to back was pretty cool. I mean, obviously having, you know, the skills challenge and the three point contest that would obviously take place on a Saturday, you know, the same the same night. But having it on a Sunday night, you know, everything in terms of all of the events, except for the little two on two, which we may get into later <laughs> between the rappers, uh, Cravo and Jack Harlow versus uh, two chains. And little yes. baby, that was a that was hilarious within itself. But it was a great, it was a I'm not well, I won't say great, but it was a good overall all star Sunday night. Overall, yeah. it was it was solid. It was a solid night. You know, dunk contest. You know, it depends on how high of expectations you had. I didn't have high expectations for the dunk contest. You know, I didn't even find out who was the uh, contestants for the dunk contest. I believe until like the night before. So, you know, <laughs> if you had high, if you had high expectations for the dunk contest, I I feel kind of bad for you because uh, the the bar was definitely at a minimum for me. Okay, so that's the thing because I know you tweeted this out on Sunday night. You said someone tweeted this was a, one of the worst dunk contests in recent memory. And I think you said that's only if you have high expectations for it. And to that extent, I, I kind of agree with that side in so far that every year, it seems like the expectations are really high for the dunk contest. And it seems like we haven't really learned our lesson that for the most <laughs> part, most dunk contests aren't going to be great. And what makes them great is that they are just not like every other dunk contest. They're, they're unexpected. So I do think people do have high expectations for it, but you know, we've had some fun ones in the past and I think you expect a little bit more than what we saw on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We could have probably had a little more creativity. I know that was uh, one of the biggest downfalls that people said where there wasn't enough creativity in terms of the dunks. Now it's the, I mean, it just depends. That's what I said. I mean, I, yeah. You did say that. Afrini Simmons, you know, he, I, I liked his dunks. You know, the T-Mac tribute. I thought that was a nice one. It was nice, but it wasn't anything more. It, it was nice. It was cool to see. And I, I think I'm in the minority in saying I don't really like tribute dunks. Not a big fan of them. I think just just do your own dunk, man. Like, it's cool to wear the jersey. Wear the jersey of someone you liked, of someone you're trying to respect. But don't do the same dunk that they did. I don't care for that. Because you're, you're, you're definitely not going to do it better than them. So you're really just doing a worse version of their cool dunk. Well, maybe sometimes. I mean, it just depends. You you may get some more athleticism out of it, but uh, or some more uh, more punch or more power to the dunk. It just depends on the details. But I thought the dunk was pretty smooth. I mean, he's he's shorter than when you go into the details of the dunk. You know, he's shorter than T Mac. T Mac was six eight. Anthony Simmons is probably about six three. He has a pretty nice high jump too. The, the little kiss, the smooch dunk. I thought that was pretty cool too. That the was kiss yeah. the rim. I thought that was dope. The idea behind it was definitely original, and it would have been cool if he actually kissed the rim. Kissed now, the... <laughs> how, how easy that would have been, I don't know. I don't know if he would have shattered every single tooth in his head. That that may have been a possibility because of the momentum, but it's a cool idea, and he got high enough to be able to do it. So I think the originality was there with the kiss one. Um, Obi Toppin's uh, second dunk was really cool. But I thought so too. We, I mean, I thought that was the best dunk of the night. Um, we saw Zach Levine do a similar type of dunk in, in the layup lines for the Chicago Bulls, I think the week before that. So I think he kind of had got that idea from Zach Levine, but it was cool to see it done in a dunk contest. I don't know. I just, I, I like more props. And I know I, I was texting with you and I was going back to the Gerald Green cupcake dunk. And a lot of people were talking about that dunk because the kissing the rim and, and, blowing out the cupcake on the rim are kind of similar and, and you're trying to show how high you can jump. 
So I do like bringing in different props, bringing in people, dunking over people was was really cool to see. I thought that was a very unique dunk. Over his dad, yeah. Um, over his dad and over Julius Randle. I thought, yeah, that was cool. And and bringing in different things because we've gotten past the point, Zach, we're doing, you know, a 360 dunk is just mind blowing. <laughs> We've seen people do 360. We've seen people go between the legs. We've seen people go between the legs jumping from the free throw line. We have progressed as a point as a society to just do simple <laughs> dunks. We are better than that in the year 2021. We we need to bring in props at this point to spice things up. <laughs> we need to spice it up a little bit more. It's getting a little stale. So I think bringing in the props, bringing in different people, I think that is the way to go if you're going to be dunking. I don't want to see jumping from the free throw line anymore we've seen it we've seen multiple people jump from the three free throw line now you know what's funny i'm gonna just go back to your tweet that you said last night you know that's probably not a 10 dunk that you're referring to as we sit here on our comfortable chairs you know drinking some water during this podcast (laughs) sit here and say well those dunks are probably not 50 worthy like we got some athleticism (laughs) yeah listen i I get excited when I can touch the rim. So <laughs> do I have a spot to criticize these athletic people for dunking? Maybe not. Maybe not. But I can, you know, I can have uh, high expectations for them. If they put high expectations up for themselves, I think we should have high expectations. And it is tough to be dunking when the judges are, you know, Spud Webb and Dominique Wilkins and Josh Smith and these guys who have just been incredible dunkers in the past. I get the pressure. And I think there needs to be a serious discussion held about the judges and how they judge (laughs) because it is very inconsistent. There is, there's clearly no baseline with who decides what Spud Webb. I just wanted to single him out. He was all over the place during the dunk contest. He was giving eights (laughs) to dunks that should have been nines. And he was giving nines and tens to dunks that should have been seven and eights. So (laughs) there needs to be something done with the judging. I'll say that I'll get that out of the way, but it would be cool to see some, originality more props being used and zach we see this on social media all the time we see people who couldn't play in an nba game let alone maybe even a g league game to save their life but they're athletic as hell and they do these really cool dunks i would like to see someone take those dunks that we see from people doing on some like random beach in california and bring it into the dunk contest (laughs) they should be able to do 40 hey you you want to see a 540 720 you know, between the legs twice, you know, yeah, just get on Instagram and you type in hashtag Venice Beach or something. I'm pretty exactly. sure you might find, you know, one of these highlight real, super famous, Instagram famous dunkers around here doing something creative. But you're right, you know, the NBA guys may have to try to, you know, emulate some of the things that we see out here on the streets. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind the showmanship, too. I don't mind when, when like, Dwight Howard went into the, the phone booth and dressed up as Superman. Like, that's perfect. That is perfect for me. You, you get the showmanship. You have to do it. But you got to make the dunk. You have to make the dunk. And let me tell you, Zach, if I'm an There's NBA dunk misses. contest judge, if you miss that first dunk, you're not getting a 10. I'm sorry. You're not going to get 10. <laughs> no matter what you do next. If you miss that first dunk, it can't be a 10. That's just my opinion. And the three-point contest, it was pretty good. I like the three-point contest. There was a lot oh, of Oh, yeah. It was a lot of momentum at the end with Mike Conley really setting the pre- uh, he set Ooh, the he tone for Steph Curry. Oh yeah, and he, he was had definitely the do zone, the do zone with the Mountain Dew ball. Yeah, that you know, I didn't realize that that ball was worth three points too. So like that really added an extra layer to the three point contest. And Steph Curry, you know, that final round he hit not one but both of those Mountain Dew shots. Yep. 
I, I make sense to add something like that because we've seen the three point shot, you know, in the past three years start, you know, you have Dame and you have Steph, all these guys are shooting threes from the parking lot. You might as well <laughs> have a three point shot in the contest. That's a little farther back than the regular three. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. And it adds a, a interesting dynamic to it, an extra layer because now it's like, okay, it's no longer, okay, if I make it all the way around, that's cool. But now if I, if I start off rough, like let's say if I like the first the first five in the corner, let's say I only make one of those, but then I may go like three for five on the wing. If I make this shot right here, this Mountain Dew basket from deep, it yep. makes up, it kind of makes up for those, you know, those misses that I had on the baseline. And so, you know, it, like I said, it creates an interesting dynamic too. But if you're Steph Curry, you could just come out and make nine in a row at some point. It's, you're just favored to be the winner. They should have a half court shot for like five points. I think that would be really <laughs> cool because do you remember, I don't know why they discontinued it. This was, you know, four or five years ago where they had, I remember that. I, I forgot what it was called. Say. Yeah. But they had the, they had the all-star for the team. And then if that city had a WNBA team, they had, you know, the best player from that WNBA team. And then they had a legend, legend. from that team yeah. all on the same team. And they would do, it was basically a shooting contest. They would, you know, you do a layup, you do a free throw, three point, and then they were all chucking half court shots half to win. Yeah. I thought that was so fun. You know, you see, you're seeing like Scotty Pippen chuck up half court shots for the Chicago Bulls on their team. I thought that was a lot of fun. So I'm not sure why they didn't bring that back, but I think having a half court shot in the three point contest is the logistical endpoint for something like that. It would, it just makes too much sense. Now. And, you know, obviously they did the tribute last year and brought it back this year with the uh, new format for the, uh, for the all-star game, but it didn't probably come out to where they probably hope because it wasn't as competitive as it was last year. So, um, you know, it sort of, so the game probably wasn't as interesting as people probably have ho- had hope. Oh, uh, and LeBron, he's going to make such a good GM, man. He's going to be <laughs> when he retires, if he decides to be a, become a general manager, like an owner, general manager, he's going to be so good. He just, I mean, team LeBron was stacked. He knew exactly who to pick. And yeah. this game was like close for a quarter and a half. And then it was just team LeBron the, the rest of the way. The whole rest of the way. And then they won every quarter. They won every yeah. quarter. So all the donation money went to the Thoroughgood, Thur- you know, a college fund. You know, they went to that. It went to only that fund. Yeah, the team Durant, they didn't earn, they didn't, uh, earn any money because they didn't win not one quarter, not the first, second, or the third. It was tough. <laughs> Yeah, if that happens, I think the charity has to pay Team Durant just because they couldn't even do anything. <laughs> they end up losing money because of that. I mean, that's it, it was because last year was the, obviously the first year that they were doing this, like you said. And the teams kind of went back and forth. One team won the first quarter, another team won the second, another team won the third. So that was fun to watch. And hopefully next season, when you have to imagine their hearts are more into the game, it's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, it, it was just weird. This whole. The whole day just it didn't feel wrong, but it was just like the attitude was like, do we do we need to be doing this? And it seemed yeah, like the players the kind of was. it seemed like the players were kind of the same way. It was just like they were there, they were having fun goofing around, but it wasn't it wasn't the seriousness that we saw last season when the guys were playing defense and like almost getting technical fouls, arguing with officials about calls and stuff like that. Exactly. Like it wasn't like the game wasn't tight, and so like you didn't have the, like you said, the, the, the kind of communication between the uh, officials and the basketball players, you know, you all stars. So 
not having that didn't have it like a tight game either. Like they're like they won by 20 points, 170 to one, what, 150 or something like that. And they, but that shot though for Dame to end oh, it, yeah. that was crazy. That oh, was crazy. Was I will admit that. Like that was crazy. It might have been a blowout, but to end the game, David Litter shot it from basically half court. And it That's went, the thing. He's so nice, man. I mean, Dame, obviously, pro Dame podcast here. But I think that's the coolest part of that Elam ending is that even when it's a blowout, the last shot is still fun because it's a game winner. So that that last shot is going to be fun, even if it's a 20 point game, because it's a, it's still technically a game winning shot. So I think we can have a whole discussion in later podcasts about how good the Elam ending is, because I'm very pro doing that. I think the NBA should make all of their games have Elam endings. Ah, you crazy. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. I think it would be so fun. And we would there'd be no there'd be no like checking the clock for a half hour there'd be there'd be none of that there'd be none of that no fouls nothing it would get rid of so many issues that basketball has right now but regardless of that i think it would be a lot of fun um it was cool to see in the, in the all-star game Giannis won mvp guy didn't miss oh, a man. shot yeah, that's our perfect. stat of the week too our stat, stat. of the week is Giannis. That of the week, 100%. He was 16 of 16 from the field. And he made some threes. They didn't think he was going to make no threes. You heard, did, you hear the, did you hear the broadcast? I know you yeah. heard the broadcast. Yeah. They they doubted Giannis's three, and then he banked it in. <laughs> they was like, no, no, no. And then they was like, yes, yes, keep shooting, bro. He didn't miss. Like, they got to get – he was having some fun. That's all he really, you know what I'm saying, cared about. At the end of the day, he even spoke on that. It's like he just wanted to go out there, you know what I'm saying, just have some fun. And he didn't even realize, you know what I'm saying, he was perfect from the field at a point. You know what I'm saying? He was 10 for 10. Then you mess around. Oh, he 13 for 13 after the three. And they was like, they was going crazy. I was going crazy. I was so happy for him, man, that he was so excited, you know, just to see him have so much fun, you know, celebrating on the court, you know, with Team LeBron and playing with Steph. Like, I know that was just was a great feeling for him. And then when uh, MVP for the All-Star game was, was just icing on the cake. I think that's my favorite part of all-star games is kind of those like little things like Giannis winning MVP or Giannis trying really hard to make and to make a three pointer. And then you have things like Chris Paul jumping the ball and like being so excited to to win a jump ball. So you don't understand how fun that was to see. That was so much fun to see big because he was like, so antsy to jump. So antsy to jump with Mike Conley. It was, it was pretty dope. I, that's definitely for me where the most fun part of the all-star game comes in. Are they like these, these little storylines. Like you had, you had uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown going one-on-one uh, once or twice in the game. And I think, uh, I think it was Tatum got called for a foul and Jalen Brown was yelling at the official <laughs> to give him a foul. It's like little, like tiny things like that, that happen five, 10 seconds in the all-star game that are really fun because you know, they're just little tidbits that these players have been wanting to do. Uh, for a while. I, I That's the part of the All-Star games that I enjoy. And then Steph celebrating the tip-off when Chris Paul got it. Like He yeah. was on the pitch, like super, super hype. So yeah, it was a little guards doing the tip-off. I thought that was definitely uh, hilarious. And then Steph going back and forth with Dame real fast with the back and forth like logo shots. Man. Oh, that was great. Yeah, it was dope. That was some fun shooting. And then on Twitter too, after the game, they were they were talking to each other. It it warms my heart to know those guys are friendly with each other and that they're friends because what they're two of the greatest clutch shooters in the NBA, other than maybe like Reggie Miller in NBA history or Michael Jordan, you know, you have those two guys are at least of this generation, 
You don't want anyone else with a ball in their hand late in the game. Oh, um, yeah. You know what time it is. <laughs> yeah, same time. And then you got Steph just draining whatever shot that he wants. They're just so much fun. And to see him talking on Twitter and respecting each other is really cool to see. Um, do we want to go to second half predictions? Because now it's the uh, second half of the season, Zach. So we might as well. Man, we got breaking news as of last night. And I don't know how you feel about it. But I'm not too happy because I feel like it's going to be some some high situations going on. It's a high situation going on. I feel like somebody got heisted, if that's a word. <laughs> and that breaking, well, sort of breaking news at this point now, it's just news, I guess, would be Blake Griffin going to the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to be wearing number two, according to our very own Shams. Um, but the the super team of the Brooklyn Nets, Zach, just continues to get better. I would have loved to see him go to the Golden State Warriors. I think he would have fit so mm. well on that team. I think he would have made that team so much fun to watch. But Warriors. he decided to go to the Nets and, you know, their defense doesn't get any better with him, but he's going to help him out a little bit on offense as well. Stretch the floor. You know what? That's interesting. You said the Warriors. My thought process was the Miami Heat. But then someone said to me, now think about this for a second. Why would Blake Griffin go to the Miami Heat? That would only mean that he would have to work. He does because because Miami is a culture of gritty grind and effort and you'd have to, you know, put in work 150 percent, you know, yeah. all the time. You see, you got a Jimmy Butler out there that's going to be gritty and demand the best out of you with the supporting cast that he has with a bam out of bio and those boys. And so I had to think about it and say, OK, yeah, it'll be a little easier ride and an easier grind if he goes to the Brooklyn Nets as yeah. opposed to to a team like the Miami Heat. So I, I guess if you want to chill a little bit and you not have to put, have so much pressure on you if you're Blake Griffin, I guess the Brooklyn Nets was the right decision. Yeah, and at this point in his career, he, he just it, – it's he's not like Everybody at the just, point where he's like, I'm along for the ride yet, but he's getting there. He, he, he's done his time. He's tried to make runs. He's been on super teams. And at this point, I think he's just like, just get me my ring. I just want to be a small part of a team that has a chance to win. And that's so lame to me. From like, I guess I only look at it from like a competitive standpoint as a viewer. Like, and I just want to see the league to be balanced, you know, because I felt like last year was the best opportunity in a long time to really have like a, a league that was, you know, balanced, you know, two all stars or two superstars on, the, on like the same team at the most, you know, and let's duke it out and see what happens. Then we had COVID take place and we know what happens. After, we know what happened after that. But then, like, now you have this season where you have James Harden uh, forcing his way out of Houston to create a super team with with uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now they go out and they even add a Blake Griffin, who I'm going to tell you like this, Ben. If, if Blake Griffin dunks the ball mm -hmm. or gets 20 points, the Detroit Pistons, they got uh, to sue. <laughs> <laughs> they got to sue. It ain't even, it's not even up for discussion. False they got to sue. They got to sue. Yeah. They have to. Uh, because there's no way. He hasn't dunked the ball in almost 500 days. And I can't tell you when the last time he had 20 points. So for the so for the Brooklyn Nets, if he goes out and scores 20 points at any given moment, or dunks the ball in like the first like week of him being on the roster, Detroit Pistons they they got to have like a discuss, uh, legal discussion <laughs> with Blake Griffin. He pulled the uh, he pulled his version of the James Harden. Just James Harden got fat. 
And then he, the Rockets are like, all right, we're going to send you to the Brooklyn Nets. But Blake Griffin's version of getting fat is just never dunking. And the Pistons are like, all right, well, if you're not going to dunk, you're really expensive. We want to rebuild. We'll just get you out and, and send you to the Brooklyn Nets. So and now you're going to wait so much money too. Like he oh, gave away yeah. so much money. Yeah, he he basically paid the Pistons to just say I, <laughs> he paid to leave Detroit is what he did. He he paid he wanted to leave the Pistons so badly that he gave money out of his own pocket to just leave, that's which is wild. Like, that's why I feel like something fishy going on. Like I, uh, if he yeah, dunks, if he dunks, or he gets twenty within that first little stretch. It's going to be a problem with me, for me. <laughs> or it should, be, or it should be a problem for the Blake Pistons. Blake Griffin lob city with Kyrie and Blake running some alley-oops. <laughs> right along with DeAndre Jordan. Right, reunited again. Yep. It's go- that's going to be a wild, wild team. Um, they're going to be a fun playoff team. Those playoff series, whoever the Nets play in the playoff series is going to be extremely fun. And you can only hope at this point that it'll probably be the 76ers and Nets in the Eastern Conference Final. And... That series is going to be a ton of fun, a ton of fun. Um, other stuff, second half of the season that we're looking at, can the Jazz continue the dominance is is one of the big things. They were three and four in their last seven games before the break, Zach. They, they did not look as dominant as they had been uh, in the weeks before that. Their defense was struggling a bit. Their offense um, wasn't as producing as highly as they wanted to. And, and we saw them start complaining about the officials – which you don't really expect to see that from a team as dominant as the Jazz had and the season they've been having. For them to lose a game and then just to go off about the officiating was a little bit out of character from what I think you would expect from them. Well, the Utah Jazz, right? It's still currently number one seed. They the are West. still number one. That's true. And what I think with the Utah Jazz is going to happen I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit last week with Cam. Those you haven't listened to Cam's interview yet, make sure you go listen to Cam's interview. But you kind of alluded to it last week with the Utah Jazz, with the tendencies they have to, they have a little bit of a tendency to fizzle out a little bit. And I think we may kind of end up seeing that in the second half of the season where, you know, they kind of may crumble a little bit. You know, maybe not injuries or something like that, you know, knock on wood, but they may kind of start to fold a little bit and maybe not be the number one seed, maybe fall into like the third seed as the Clippers continue to try to gain momentum. And then the Lakers, you know, will get getting Anthony Davis back and, you know, getting back to their winning ways more consistently. So I don't know, Ben, with the Jazz, you know, like you said, three or four of their last seven, we hope that this all-star rest will give them, you know, a, a resurgence, but we'll see. And it's interesting too, because two of their best players haven't really had a ton of rest when they're when they're both participating <laughs> in All Star Weekend. So yeah. I don't know if my worry level for the Jazz is getting to an extreme point yet. I'm not super worried, but concerned. Certainly concerned about where they're doing. We'll see that. We'll see how they perform that first week or two after the All Star break. See if they're refocused back to just absolutely killing teams with a three point shot and a pretty good defense. Because that's been the issue. Like you said, they get to the playoffs and they start to fizzle out. So with all the dominance that they had that first half, I think they can continue it into the second half, but we'll see if that continues into the playoffs. Now, you mentioned the Lakers. You mentioned the Clippers as the team coming up from behind them. There's one more team, and it's the Phoenix Suns, surprisingly. Oh, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. we got to mention the Phoenix Suns because they're not fourth. They're not fifth. 
They're second right now. Second in the West. They're second in the West. They've won 16 of their last 19 games. And they look like an, a legitimately dangerous team right now. 16 of their last 19, last four. They won four in a row going into the All-Star break. So that was enough momentum right there in itself. Eight and two in their last 10. Man, they are on fire. And, you know, I give it a lot of that in the late run of it. You know, these last four games, I give a lot of credit to that with Devin Booker feeling like he got snubbed from that initial a roster spot on the Western Conference. Well, not even Western Conference, but we're being selected, you know, for the West to represent the West overall, not just Team Durant or, yeah, I believe it would have been Team Durant had he played and not, you know, for the injury. And we hope that, you know, that's not going to take, you know, too much time off from him too. So the Suns can still keep that momentum moving forward. Cause I know I saw the knee injury in one of the last games. So, you know, we hope that, you know, he's able to recover, you know, speedy, a speedy recovery. Yeah. That would be lovely because they're a fun team. You know, him and him and Chris Paul have developed really good chemistry. Chris Paul's developed good chemistry with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Williams. And yeah, I mean, the team's playing really good defense, too. It's really their defense that's been the key to them playing well. They have a capable offense, but there are certainly times where they go without being able to make a basket. But their defense is usually pretty spot on every single night. So to see them rise to the second in the West, to see Devin Booker continuing to perform, being an all-star, Chris Paul just working his magic everywhere he goes, helping teams out and, and raising their level of play. This this is a dangerous team. Now, I, I'm certainly not sold on them being a contender yet, and I don't even know how far they can make it in the playoffs. If they stay that two seed, they'll get a relatively good matchup with the seven seed, but I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sold on them yet. Not necessarily yet, but I got to give a lot of credit to Monty Williams. Yeah. You know, he got to be a, a up for coach of the year without question. You know, have to, he has to be. Like, it's not even up for discussion. And, and you know, that just goes to show you how much of a turnaround between him and you mentioned Chris Paul. We always going to mention Chris Paul. And I'm going to say it with my chest. He has to be an MVP finalist. Like, he has to be because he plays a huge part of this. And I will say, I will say this moving forward for the Suns. I think it's very vital they use DeAndre Ayton more. I personally feel like, Ben, that he can be the Joel and B of the West. Like, I think I think he can have. I think he has enough. I think he has enough skill for that. I just believe he needs more touches and just more confidence within his own game too, as well. Yeah, that two-man game, because he can be a, a truly devastating roller in the pick and roll. He could be someone who's really hard to defend against. And he, just, I mean, he just needs to develop a little bit more. I think you're right in that respect. He's only 22. He's only 22, and he's averaging a double-double in the NBA right now. His efficiency is at like 19, his PER. So he's someone who, if you have the right point guard. Now, Chris Paul isn't going to be around forever for the Phoenix Suns. So they need to find that good point guard to help them out. Now that they know that, you know, Booker can probably play better off the ball. If you have DeAndre Ayton improve and you have Devin Booker, who you know is going to be an all-star continually, man, that that is a dangerous team moving forward. Let's talk betting corner. All right. What are we what are we going to be betting in the second half? Because I think the Jazz are still at the top, Zach, of the uh, against the spread standings. They're 25 and 11. I, I just think you have to continue betting the Jazz. Um, and I know we just talked about how we're a little bit worried about them and and how 
maybe they'll start to falter in the second half. But until that happens, you have to trust the numbers. You have to continue to hammer the Jazz. Yeah, I would definitely uh, hammer hammer them in terms of the spread. Now, in terms of just upright money line, I don't know because they've been kind of iffy a little late, and you may yeah, have you to pay stick attention. Them some money line parlays. That's a, that's an easy <laughs> way to to get absolutely killed by that. Yeah, you know, don't don't be like me in a situation like that because sometimes I may take a money line and with four other teams, and I you know I may go four and one, and I may not be too happy about that. But I will say this: you know, there are some interesting matchups. Uh, this upcoming week, you know, when the season when the season does get back, you know, to you know playing ball, Wizards Grizzlies is one of the first matchups, and you know personally money line, I'd probably take the uh, the Wizards. I would take the Wizards in that. Now I know the Wizards is a team that struggled, and they're at the one of those bottom seeds, but you know they're seven and three in their last what ten games and. I think they had a lot of momentum before the uh, All-Star, before the All-Star break. So I would take them in terms of money line and probably spread two over the Memphis Grizzlies in the first matchup that we get to start the season back. Yeah, I like that. And the thing about the Wizards, too, is how and we've mentioned this on the podcast, how I thought they were going to be a playoff contender. That definitely doesn't look like that's going to happen. But they well, were tricking. Yeah, 12. I mean, the East is so bad that the Wizards can still have a have shot, a shot. Or something <laughs> and, and this is the right time i think i think you're right to get on the wizards train this early while they're still a bit undervalued because we saw early on in the season they had issues with covid they had russell westbrook just come in new player so between those two the time to develop chemistry and timing um and danny avdia you too their rookie who they drafted who they wanted to be a big part in their system right away he needed to get time to acclimate to the team. So you put all those three together and you have a team that is struggling right out of the gate for the first couple months to get together, to develop chemistry, to really find out how to play with each other. Now everyone's healthy. They've played with each other for a good amount of games. They're starting to develop that chemistry. And what do you know, Zach? They're winning games. So I think this is this perfect sweet spot where you have the Wizards finally starting to play well, look like a pretty good team. And it's still possible that they're underrated by the market. Now, this other team is probably the complete opposite. Oh, just a trash fire. <laughs> just is, an absolute terrible team. And it's unfortunate because, you know, this is a team that I watch, you know, frequently. I kind of root for them, too. And even kind of, you know, I take them against the spread. I take them for the spread, too, because I think sometimes that the uh, Vegas kind of undervalues how good they can be sometimes. You know, not all the time, but sometimes. However, <laughs> they are doing very poorly against the spread. The Houston Rockets are 11 and 23 against the spread, man. Just they're terrible. And you're, you're already seeing Victor Oladipo trade rumors. <laughs> That's how bad they are, is that they, there's certainly rumors floating about about trading Victor Oladipo, a guy they just got this year. So I, I just I don't know where the Rockets go. And obviously missing Christian Wood has been huge for them because he is such a big piece to that team and and his injury has hurt them. But they're a, they're a team in peril right now. I, I don't really know where they go from here. All I know is if you like keeping your money and you like winning <laughs> money, yeah, stay the hell away from the Houston Rockets. Just do not bet anything that has to do with the Houston Rockets. At, at this point, I, I just think they're lava. Don't even bet player props. Don't bet over-unders. Mm, don't yeah, bet don't, team totals. Mm, I think we, no, talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that player prop situation. How I want my money from Victor Oladipo. Yeah, that's what you get. I'm you still, don't do it. I'm still looking for his Venmo. Man, they're man, they're 0 and 10 their last 10 games, and yeah, they lost 13 in a row. It's horrible. so crazy. Yeah, they're bad. 
Now, if we're looking at the over-unders, Zach, we've got the New Orleans Pelicans continue to be at the top of the mountain for over-unders in terms of overs. They're 26-10 and 10 in their overs, so they're hitting 26 out of their 36 games. They've hit the over there. The Pelicans' overs, I, I think they're smart. Just continue to hammer them. You might as well. They've, they've shown that they can do it. Now, a sneaky team that is second in the NBA in overs is the Sacramento Kings. They're 25 and 11. And if you had asked me who I thought, who I would think would be the second team in the NBA in terms of overs, I don't think I would have picked the Kings. So as I was, as I was researching this, the Kings being the second team in the NBA to hit their overs, that might be a good spot to hit them. Well, I remember a few podcasts ago, I remember I talked about how the Sacramento Kings, you know, at a point, remember I was saying how they weren't a team that I, I, I thought were supposed to be, you know, in the middle of the pack in terms of over under. I thought they would be a team that would be on the upper echelon in terms of uh in terms of over unders because De'Aaron Fox with the speed and the pace, Buddy Hill, and then obviously uh you know the Sacramento Kings, that's what they're always been kind of yeah, known no for. And then yeah, obviously not having no defense, no kind of no real deal rim protection outside of maybe uh the, the Holmes kid but I don't think he's a true true rim protector and then they got they got Marvin Bagley on the trade market so you know it's just a sticky sticky situation with the Sacramento Kings you know currently but they do score a lot of points and they don't play no defense so the over can happen sometimes like you said they are a sneaky good sneaky over, team, over so yeah so pay maybe. attention now two under teams now who have the exact same under record Continues to be Tom Thibodeau's fighting Knicks, who are 14 <laughs> and 23 on the unders. They've hit the under 23 times in 37 games. And a newcomer at the bottom of the barrel for the unders, or at the top of the mountain for the unders, I guess the other way to say, it, would be the Los Angeles Lakers, who are also 14 and 23. And that makes sense that you have two really good defensive teams be the king of the unders. That just makes sense. It definitely makes sense for the Knicks. And the Lakers, too, especially now without Anthony Davis, and they've been missing Dennis Schroeder here and there, same with Marcus Saul, that they can't not only can they play really good defense, but they are struggling to score the basketball. So having them be a really good under team just makes sense right now with Anthony Davis out. Yeah, no AD. Like we said, we won't know his true return for another two weeks, Anthony Davis. And then it's like nobody knows how to get their own shot. It's like, for no. goodness sake, nobody can no. get their own basket except – for uh, LeBron James, you know, volume Kyle Kuzma. You just never know which Kyle Kuzma you're going to get on any given night. You know, he may yeah. go three for 16. He may go 10 for 16. You just never know with him. And then you got uh, KCP. He's so volume. You never really know what you're going to get out of him in terms of the three-point shot and how consistent he's going to be. And then you got Morris. Nobody can really, you know, create off the dribble outside of maybe Dennis Schroeder. And like you said, he's out. No AD, of course. Alex Caruso, you just want him to just play good defense for at least 15 to 20 minutes at a time and, you know, make great plays. That's all you can really ask for for headband Caruso. But other than that, man, nobody really seems to be able to create their own shot for yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not ideal, that's for sure, because, I mean, I think at this point it's not even the fact that they play good defense. It's just they're not doing their end of the scoring in these games. So the, they're just hitting all their unders, unfortunately, for, for anyone who's taken a Lakers over. So they may be a good team to hit the unders with. Same with the Knicks. Uh, if you want to put your money there, if you, if you just hate yourself and, and love betting unders, I just I can't do it, Zach. I'm not I can't consistently <laughs> bet on these unders. 
because all you're doing is just sitting there waiting for misses. every single shot that makes <laughs> you're just hoping for just a disgusting and ugly game missed shots everywhere a tight slow game, paced game. Mm-hmm. oh god it's it's, it's awful it, and then, like, the Lakers play the Pacers. You know, the Pacers don't really speed the ball up. They don't really necessarily go up and down like that either. And so that's going to be a game that may be undervalued for the over-under. So you never know. That might be a game where they may only they may only come out at, like, a 212 or something. And I may have to, you know, take the uh, take, take, take the over on that. You know, they may undervalue that this upcoming Friday. You know, Lakers play the Pacers. So we we'll go. see. Just don't take our advice and hit the Lakers over is exactly what we're saying. <laughs> so just fade, just fade that last thought process, I guess, depending <laughs> on depending on how you feel. But if that's it for you, buddy, that's it for me. I think that's it for me. And that's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. I want to thank all the point painters for listening everywhere all across the world. We appreciate you all. Make sure you follow Shams for all your latest in NBA breaking news and coverage around the association. Follow myself, Zach Badgerhouse, on uh, on Twitter. Make sure you follow Points Paint on Twitter and on Facebook. Follow my main man's BW, Ben Wittenstein. Make sure you follow him on Twitter as well. He always drops some quite humorous tweets so make sure you keep an eye out on my man's on twitter ben wittenstein for sure because he always had got me laughing and i even share the tweets i even share your tweets with my friends so you know they get a good <laughs> laugh too they get a good laugh too because you're uh you're pretty hilarious but oh, that's gonna that. conclude oh yeah no doubt that's gonna conclude this edition of points in the paint and you'll hear from us next week